And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for the first two-man advantage podcast of 2021. Oh my gosh, what a year it's going to be. It's already, Pierre, it's already been a year of great change. As you know, I live in Georgia. Pretty important political day. The day right. before. Congratulations. Arctic. Oh my Congratulations. God. Congratulations. Yeah, not to get too political about it, but uh, that was a pretty damn fine night for uh, the folks of Georgia, if I do say so myself. I feel pretty optimistic about that. And, I, you know, I was going to just start uh, the podcast with some USA chants. Uh, you know, after the World Junior gold medal game. But, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, I'm going to be a kinder, gentler Scott Burnside in 2021. Uh, so I'll, let me ask you, what'd you make of that gold medal game? I thought it was off the charts, exciting. But it's still, I always feel a bit sorry for whoever loses in the gold medal game at the World Juniors, but especially on those occasions when, when Canada does lose because it's such a huge deal in, in, in your country. Yeah, as you know, because you you actually are Canadian, so I know you like to play the fake American. But um, no, it's obviously a bigger deal in Canada. And, and, and that's what I hope that, you know, the Americans now have four gold medals in this tournament in the past, I think, 10 years, 10 or 11 years. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that the awareness of this tournament grows in the U.S. and not just among the diehard hockey fans. And I don't know if it's because a tournament needs to be on another network other than NHL Network, maybe, to yeah. grow. Yeah. But there's this sense, even during this tournament, that the the TV ratings, obviously, through the roof on TSN in Canada, but through the roof in, in Sweden, Finland, right? Saw some of the reports. I don't know that you get the same sense in the U.S. Yeah. And, and, and I keep thinking, is it just the U.S. program continuing to grow and develop these amazing elite athletes that it's going to take to raise the awareness level of this tournament beyond the diehards. I mean, and you tell me you live in Atlanta, but it just feels like it's still within a tight bubble that, that Americans care about this tournament. <laughs> so, well, I have to tell you because my cable carrier doesn't carry NHL network. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I watch a lot of my NHL hockey through NHL Live, but it doesn't pick up the NHL network. And so, my, you know, thank goodness I have a very smart teenage son in the house, and he was able to find the games basically pirated. And so we were watching right. a pirated feed with, with these, and they were like, um, you know, asking for donations for beer. And I assume it was a Canadian <laughs> guy. Like, it was it was great. And it was great because I got to hear Gord Miller and Ray Ferraro and like it was it was outstanding. But your, I think your point is an excellent one. It's it's such an important tournament. And especially, you know, in terms of like you looked at the kids that were in that gold medal game and, and how many of them. I mean, we may see some of them 
in a matter of weeks oh. playing in the NHL. Oh, yeah. But th- that's the and that was an amazing yeah. team Canada. Like obviously they'll remember that they lost in the gold medal, but they should not hang their heads. That was a spectacular team. And yeah, and but just a, a, a just a clutch, perfect technical performance by Team USA. I tweeted this on. I tweeted this Tuesday night, I guess, <laughs> yeah. after the game. But, you know, it's funny. You said a riveting game. I don't know that it's been as riveting as other gold medal games that I've seen. But technically, a flawless defensive effort by Team USA. I mean, so much of the commentary was on Spencer Knight. And, yes, he made a number of amazing saves, especially in the third period. But really, the story, if you really look at it objectively, was sort of the fortress that the Team USA built around him. And and the difficulty, I mean, Canada had the puck the whole third period. I don't know if the U.S. went yeah. got into the Canadian zone. <laughs> and But they didn't, but despite having the puck, they didn't really get into the to the money area. And I just think that the defensive effort, it's not just the D, it's, it's as I said, the five-man units. It, it was spectacular. I mean, it's not the most exciting thing to watch, but from a, from a granular perspective, just a flawless defensive effort by Team USA against a team that should have beat them. Um, And for that, all you can do is tip your hat. That was just wonderful to to watch, uh, you know, from a total neutral perspective. That was amazing defensive work by Team USA. Yeah. I I thought the first 40 minutes, frankly, were outstanding. And and I again, you know, it was sort of, you know, punch, counter punch. Um, But I thought that Team USA had Canada on their heels, frankly, for a lot of those first two. A good stretch, yeah. Yeah, and and of course, scoring that early second period goal to go up 2-0, I mean, that really really allowed the Americans to play, as you point out, uh, maybe a little bit different style, didn't have to risk as much. So it was fun. And And we should mention, mention too, since I'm not part of the World Junior Broadcast, I'm Mm -hmm. not patting myself on the back here, but I do work at TSN, but... If you knew, and I only know some layers to it, it, it is unbelievable that TSN pulled this off. Right. Uh, you know, uh, a world juniors in the middle of a pandemic, no fans, a bubble, flying the teams in from a, from all over the place. Uh, obviously, the AAHF and TSN working on this together. It, it, it was It's amazing that the broadcast work and the way it looked and how it got I mean, all of the behind-the-scenes work. I mean, I, there were a lot of tweets about it last night, but I just tipped my hat to a lot of my colleagues at TSN as well. It was spectacular. I, I mean, it really was one of the great feats of the year for that World Juniors to have been pulled off broadcast-wise. It has to be said. Well, and I think you're right. And, and really, you think about how it started, you know, a bunch of positive tests. Remember, the Canadian team was quarantined mm-hmm. for a time during their what would have been their training camp. I, 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 I Honestly, I... I think a lot of people were quite pessimistic that it was ever going to happen. Uh, and you're right. And it did, you know, they got over those early missteps and, uh, and, uh, and and the tournament was great. And there were some, you know, some lopsided games and, you know, that, that happens. You know, it happens all the time with the women's international play. It happens when we, you know, even at the Olympics with best on best men. It happens less, I think, than maybe in the past, but um, it, these things are going to happen. But I thought the level of competition was outstanding. And, you know, the mm-hmm. fin, Finns coming back to beat Sweden um, and really. Uh, that was the best game of the tournament. Yeah. Well, and, 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 yeah. and even the Finns coming back and really, you know, putting a scare into Team USA. You talk about, you know, Team USA not having mm-hmm. the puck until the very end when they ended up scoring the winning goal to go to the gold medal game. Um 
you know, in the Canadian dominance. I, I, I know leading into that gold medal game, people were sort of comparing that junior team to the Canadian Olympic team in Sochi, which you, you and I, of course, covered, might have been the greatest defensive effort. That was pretty surgical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think there were really people amazing. who were drawing parallels, and it was, you know, a testament to to that Canadian team until oh. last night. So, good. Yeah, and, uh, and the other thing I want to point out, and again, this is more of a Canadian thing, I think, but it, it amazes me, and it's anecdotal, it's people in my life and, and around me, but it's amazing to me how many people don't actually care that much about the NHL, or at least on a consistent basis, who will not miss a World Junior game. Right, yeah. Like the World Junior, and maybe the Olympics are that way, right? But, like, you know, my wife didn't miss a single Canadian game. She will not watch three NHL games this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay? Uh, and th- and I, it's like that across a broad spectrum of where the World Juniors touch, m- j- just hit more levels of and bring in more, you know, uh, non-year-round fans for whatever reason. And, and I think it's the time of the year, the tradition, you name it. But, uh, and I, like I said, I, I think the Olympics do a lot of that too, right? Where you got, you're drawing in to other people, but it, it, that's an interesting thing too. Cause I, it affects, I feel it in my household where Canada's playing, where it's like now the NHL starts next week and you know, yeah, it won't uh, be. My, my, my oldest daughter will want to watch a bunch of NHL games, but that's about it in my household. <laughs> do, they, do your kids, like, do your kids, you know, feed off that? Like, are they part of that? Oh my gosh, it's, it's world junior time. Like, would they follow it in a way? Yeah, yeah, no, they yeah. were into it the whole couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was terrific, and I think that's what I mean. That's what has seeped into this country over the years with 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 the whole tradition. Yeah, well, you know what? This is a perfect segue to our guest on Two Man Advantage today, and you mentioned excitement in gold medal game, and I'm not sure that uh, that the gold medal game in which John Carlson scored the overtime game winner against Canada back in 2010. Um, that might have been one of the greatest gold medal games, at least one in, in my memory, and just, you know, such a, a dramatic finish. And, of course, you know, it was great to catch up with John Carlson because, he, you know, he a lot of time has passed, right? But it's still a memory for him that even though we talked before the gold medal game, the entire World Junior experience to him was was really meaningful. So it was great to catch up with him. We, of course, chat about uh, his new teammates at Enochara, disappointing playoff exit at the hands of the Islanders. So um, without further ado, my friend, why don't we listen to my conversation with John Carlson? An absolute treat to start off 2021 as we are joined by Washington Capitals defenseman John Carlson. John, we got a lot. We got a lot to unpack. You and I haven't chatted in a while, and uh, I just want to warn you: at the end of this conversation, I will quiz you on the four new divisional names that the NHL announced today with the naming rights. So, if you need to do some research while we're chatting, I just are you okay with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, if I don't do research, I'm I'm probably uh, gonna go over. But um, <laughs> either or, I'll give it my best shot. All right. Well, you got lots of time then. But before we get to the quiz at the end of this, um, and and there's so much to talk about with the Washington Capitals and your off season. Um, but my timing is impeccable. It's not usually my strong suit. But as you and I are taping this, in um. About 12, yeah, less than 12 hours, we will know who the new world junior champions are. And of course, that's a tournament that is 
in some ways, you are a legendary figure in the World Junior Championship, having scored the overtime winner and a 6-5 victory for Team USA over Team Canada, which, of course, is this year's matchup in the final as well, back in 2010. And I, like, I don't know whether it comes up for you every year at World Junior time, John, or if you, you, know, if you think about it, where those sort of memories fit in for you in, in terms of your career. But it seems like a long time ago. But it, when I see the replay of it, it, it feels like it just happened yesterday. I'm not sure how it is for you. Yeah, I don't think it feels that long ago for me. I think, um, you know, hearing the, the amount of years ago it was, then it <laughs> seems long. But, um, you know, it's kind of just a progression of my career and obviously a big step for me. So it was, you know, maybe that's why um, it doesn't seem like that long ago for me. But it's uh, it's a great rivalry. I'm excited to uh, to watch the game tonight. I haven't seen probably as much um you know, of this world juniors as I have in the past, just with the, the craziness of everything that's, uh, that's going on and, um, getting back into camp and all that, but I'm really looking forward to, uh, spending some time on the couch tonight. Yeah. Is there a way to describe how important your experience at that tournament was for you? I mean, you were, you know, I mean, you've won a Stanley cup, you've gone to the Olympics, all-star games, all those kinds of things. But I wonder where that world junior experience fits for you. And maybe, you know, how important it was for you in helping you step into your life as an NHL player. Yeah, I think it's, it's really memorable because I did, you know, score in overtime. I think that part of it, you know, means a lot to me uh, from a personal perspective, I would say. Um, but I think just the, the timing of it was, was important for my whole career. I, I had some success. I played some, a few NHL games at that point, um, was playing in Hershey. So I was kind of on the cusp of, of making it to the NHL. And, uh, I think that gave me a lot of confidence. It maybe, you know, boosted what, what other people thought of me too. Um, you know, kind of joining the league at the time, uh, soon after that. So. I think it just from a, you know, from a progression, it, it was very important to stepping in, feeling confident, feeling, um, you know, like I can contribute and, and be uh, with the big club. And that's kind of shortly thereafter, um, you know, I was finishing out the season here in Washington. Like, does it still, you know, like it, there are, you have teammates now with Washington who, you know, you've played with internationally guys like TJ Oshie or whatever on the, on, on the U S side of things, you have teammates who are of course, Canadian. I think, you know, guys like Tom Wilson, is it still like, like at practice it, as you begin your training camp, getting ready for 2021 and, and all that is strange about that, does it still come up in conversation? Like, is it still one of those dressing room things? Because I know in a normal course of uh, of a regular NHL season, my sense is it, that there's a lots of back and forth, regardless of which country you come from within the NHL locker room. Or, or has that changed a bit? Um, no, I, I think if anything, there's, there's probably more of it just with how many different kind of countries we have represented in, in a big way. Um, it's not just one or two guys. I think in the past year or two, it's probably the, the least amount of Canadians that we've ever had in my career anyways. And um, obviously a lot of Swedish um, players, Russian, and the list goes on. So I think there's, there's more badgering because someone's always playing someone, um, <laughs> you know, not, not, just one or two teams are being rooted for at this time of year. 
Yeah. So what's it been like to come back and, and start your training camp? Uh, basically on the dawn of, uh, 2021, it's been a, a, a weird off season. It's obviously a chaotic time around the world. What was it like for you, John, in terms of, you know, how you spent your off season at a time when you're normally getting ready to start a new season and wondered what that was like for you and your family and, and sort of walking through the door to get ready for this 56 game season was the process different for you? Do you feel different about it, or what? What's that been like for you? Yeah, I, I think it's it's totally different. I think you know, you, plus we've kind of had a couple experience uh, experiences like this where you know we got shut down. We started training a little bit. We went into a short camp and we started in the bubble, and then kind of reset that, and then the you know, the ranks didn't open until a certain time again. And it was, it was a longer drawn out progression this time, but at least we had already kind of been through that. And I think finding a routine was, um, more important, but also harder just based on everything that's going on and the challenges and, uh, hoops that you have to jump through in order to, um, do things safely and, and come into the rink. Um, you know, it's not whenever you want it pretty open they, everything here is great for us but on a normal um off season but this season off season was a lot different and just trying to find a different routine that you know obviously we're still um people we have things to do at home we have people to take care of and and finding um the right routine was important for me and I think I've you know this time around did a lot better job with that and um made it a little bit easier but at the end of the day we're you know, we haven't been on the ice too much, um, more than eight guys, six guys, 10 guys. So I, I think, uh, when you get out there with 20, 23 guys, it, it's, uh, it seems crowded out there and you got, you know, 10 days before your, uh, you know, the real stuff starts. So I think it's very important to, you know, come into camp, um, where you need to be, but also to, to really use these 10 days because, uh, things going to happen quickly. Yeah. Do do you think the fact that, you know, you play in the bubble in Toronto, uh, you know, you're in the round robin and then play the Islanders, it's it's over in five games. It, is it easy to put that aside because it was so different, because the environment was so alien to what you're normally going through during an NHL playoff uh, season? Or, or do you do you really do you carry a kind of a chip on your shoulder after you know, it was a pretty disappointing, um, you know, sort of outcome for you guys. And I wonder, you know, how do you, how do you internalize that as you come into 21 now uh, in terms of how, you know, whether you use it or whether you try and forget it? No, I, I think you definitely use it. I think, um, you know, obviously it's different and something no one's ever been through. But um, at the same time, you can kind of go down the rabbit hole on any year. Oh, you know, we got unlucky here. Or this guy got hurt here. Or this guy, um, you know, I didn't make a good play here. Or he didn't make a good play there. I think you can always go down that, that uh, route and find everything that could possibly have went wrong that went wrong and it didn't turn out the way you wanted or, you know, you use it as a, you know, like you said, a chip on the shoulder or use it as a, a teaching moment on, um, what didn't feel right, what felt abnormal when we did have success, you know, what did that feel like? And you kind of build off of, off of that. So, yeah, I, I would say you, 
throw all of the abnormalities about it away and focus on us coming way short uh, of our goal and, and how that feels and how that sits with you and make adjustments for, for this coming season. Yeah. You have experience. If we go back to the 12-13 season. You end up with 48 games after a, a lockout that it basically cost half a season. So you, you have a sense of the dynamics. Is there something when you look around that caps room and say, you know what? I I think we're built for this kind of um, dynamic because the 56 games is going to create things, urgency or whatever it is. It's going to be different than 82 games. What do you like about your team in this kind of situation says, okay, we can get up and we can get rolling quickly um, or, or whatever it is. What, what do you like about that squad? Uh, um, into oh, 56? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, the, the most important thing is just the, the feeling right now. I think everybody's come back and ready to go. That's how it feels like. That's kind of how we've been practicing the first, uh, couple days. And that's, that's important. I, the mental aspect of any season is I think the most important. And, um, you know, certainly with this one, uh, the start is probably the biggest, thing to, to wrap your head around because uh, things go south and you know that you don't have as much time to to make stuff up uh, as you normally would so I, I think we're, we're definitely focusing on on that but I think just the overall feeling of the players and you know kind of like uh, the last question I think um, we're all hungry to to get back out there and, and prove uh, prove ourselves and and how we feel you know, about ourselves and each other um, in terms of what, what we're capable of and getting another chance to uh, do it the right way. Yeah, some interesting changes around uh, the the Capitals, of course. I'm not sure, you know, if you had a relationship with uh, Peter Laviolette, who, of course, takes over as head coach, if you knew Peter before, or if you've had a chance to, you know, sort of talk with him about you know, how he might be doing things differently or how you can achieve what you want to achieve, especially early in the season. Do you have an early vibe from Peter Laviolette? Um, yeah, I, I think he's uh, he's been great so far. I've, I've met him. He was on the staff in, uh, in Sochi, so I have yep. some prior experience with him, um, albeit he wasn't the head coach there. But, you know, I, I, I feel like I have some common ground with him um, from that. But yeah, we're, we've changed um, a few things, nothing that foreign, but just slight adjustments, slight changes, uh, and just a, another great voice that's been around a, a long time that can, um, you know, teach anybody that's been in the league, you know, a month or 20 years. So um, I think he's bringing a new flavor to our team. Uh, and I think kind of his mantra of fast and physical and on top of people, that's kind of... Uh, what we're going to be gunning for uh, out of the gates here. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what, it, you know, if you guys spend a lot of time looking at the, the revamp divisions and you look at that East and man, it's uh, it looks on paper, like it's going to be a bear almost every night. And you have a new guy who's going to suit up on the blue line with you um, in Zidane Chara. And I wonder when you first heard the news that the, uh, that Zidane was going to be joining the Capitals. What sort of goes through your mind and, and what kind of, you know, what kind of presence or, or uh, role do you think he brings to this team? Yeah, I think he's going to be an important piece. I think, uh, you know, they wouldn't um, bring someone in with his stature and experience to, 
you know, um, to not contribute in a big way. And I, I think uh, I was excited when I um, heard about it. I, I think uh, anytime you can be around a guy like him with with his stature and experience and, and success that he's had over his career to just learn from um, from him day to day is going to be huge for, for all of us here. And certainly as a defenseman, um, going to be big for, for myself as well. Now, defensemen don't like you don't often talk about, oh, I had a battle with this other defenseman. But have you had experiences on the ice and whether it's internationally, whether it's uh, during the course of, of your NHL career? Have you had moments on the ice with Zidano where you're like, OK, I, I, I remember that. I'm not going to forget that. Yeah, um, so maybe not as much of, you know, puck battles in the corner or anything like that. There was one time, I think it was my first or second year, that I think it was a penalty kill, and he actually, I blocked a shot from him, and he, he snapped my uh, kneecap, my shin pad kneecap in, in half. So that's uh, that was definitely a run, and I, I do always remember. <laughs> well, I wonder if you kept it. It's one of those things that it might be a keeper, but uh, yeah, I wish I had it. I have him sign it, put it on my <laughs> wall or something. Uh, well, um, John, last year when I think about you know, I actually was able to connect with you guys during your dad's trip in in Tampa and spent some time with you and your dad and 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 what a you know what a fabulous season, right? Fifteen goals, sixty assists. You lead the NHL uh, among defensemen in both those categories. And I did not realize it's until the unbelievable Washington Capitals PR staff sent this along. But 213 points for you over the last three seasons, first among all NHL defensemen. And I wonder, you know, when you look back on that, do you take some satisfaction, even though you fell a, a little bit short in the voting for the Norris to Roman Yossi in Nashville? Or, or does it, are you like, well... I, honestly, at this stage, all I want is another ring. Or I wonder how you, how you marry those two things, those really impressive personal stats, which are critical, um, and, and the, the other stuff, the stuff that you know, as you mentioned earlier, that you guys fell short to, in, in losing the first round to the Islanders. How do you marry those two things? Yeah, well, I think there's a, there's a human element to, to everything, and, and that's, um, you know, goes without saying, everybody likes to have some recognition of, of, uh, accomplishments, but I, I would say as a competitor and kind of where I am, I, I just want to win. And that's really all that matters to me. Um, and, and so maybe down the road when, when you retire, you might think back more on, uh, importance of, of those things, but certainly, you know, like right now training camp and we're getting going and, and wanting to start competing again, that that's really all you're focused on. And, throughout the year that's all you're focused on is just trying to find ways to you know better yourself to to have success as a team and um you know I, I think if you if you take care of that mindset then um the personal achievements kind of go alongside with that yeah uh you have two boys uh where are three, they three at? now three oh my gosh i missed uh, one yeah see this yeah, is how he's... long He's a month old. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't feel too bad that yeah. three boys. So basically you have a forward line then. So that's a good sign then to start yeah. with. Are the older two, are they at a stage now where they can, you know, are they, are they skating a little bit or on the ice? Do they have a sense of what it is you do and all those kinds of things? And, and that really is a change for that whole Caps team. Like, and I think of, 
Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom and and the guys that you grew up with that in that organization, you you all have families of a certain age, and I wonder what that's been like and what it's been like with with now with three boys in the house. Yeah, I, I think my oldest uh, is five, and he's skating now and starting to kind of get his feet under him and 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 do all that sort of thing. So that's kind of cool for me to to be a part of in some way, but also just to enjoy with him, um, watching him. Um, and he's kind of the only one that would have a chance of, of knowing what, what I do. I think, uh, for the past year or two, he's been saying, you know, my dad plays hockey, but I don't know if he, he really understands, um, you know, what that is yet, uh, to be honest. But I think this year might, he might have a chance to, um, you know, to, to understand that this is a job for me and not just a game like, uh, like he does, uh, you know, every once, every, you know, two times a week, like he's doing right now. So, um, but it is special for me to, to, you know, still involve them in experiences and, and all that sort of thing. But I think, um, you know, the gushy stuff for, for a kid might come a little bit later. <laughs> Good stuff. And, and you know what, you, I'm going to let you go, John. And, and since I can, not know without looking, and I, it would be cheating for me to look at the four new divisional names. Uh, I'm not even going to put you on the spot. And so I'll let you off the hook on divisional quiz. Um, but I, I knew I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wouldn't be fair because I was thinking to my head, could I name all four of them right now without uh, going back to Twitter? And I'm not sure I could. But uh, I want to thank you for coming in and hanging out with us and chatting. It's it's always great to catch up with you. And, and I hope that uh, we'll cross paths in, in person before this uh, this interesting 2020-21 season gets done. But uh, thanks for coming to hang out with us. It's always a treat. Yeah, thanks, Guy. Good talking to you. All right, my friend, I want to circle back with you, little, uh, John Carlson chat, uh, little Zidane Ochara, Washington Capitals chat. Uh, we are going to take a break. You, you should have got John back on the phone today. He'd probably be even more excited. <laughs> I know, we traded text, so uh, yeah. So, uh... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't know if you remember this, but at the beginning of the 2019-20 season, which was about 120 years ago, I actually went to Tampa and uh, spent some time during the Washington Capitals' dad's trip. And I and it was at a time when John Carlson was really, you know, he was, people weren't just talking possible Norris Trophy. They were talking about the Hart Trophy because his point totals were so off the charts. He was top four mm-hmm. or five or five or six in in. NHL scoring overall at that point. And he and his dad and I had a coffee uh, uh, across from the team hotel. And, you know, it's just, it wasn't the first time I met John's dad, um, but it was, it was great to catch up with, with him and his dad and, and, you know, the talk about the evolution of that caps team. Um, and, and of course the season didn't finish the way that I, I don't think John Carlson imagined it would certainly not the way the caps felt it would, uh, as they ended up making a coaching change and bringing in Peter Laviolette, as we discussed with John. Um, when I 
when I look at that East division and where the Caps fit in, I mean, it's been a weird, it's been a really weird offseason for them, right? I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was supposed to be the guy to um, push Ilya Samsonov and goal, and that's not going to happen because of Lundqvist's heart issues. And then they shockingly signed, you know, future Hall of Famers, Dano Char, to come down the pipe. And, and I wonder what you, when you look at that team and how they fit into that division, what do you make of the Caps right now? Yeah, so let's start with going back to what you were mentioning about Carlson. I was thinking um, he ended up not winning the Norris, of course, uh, yeah. Roman Yossi winning last year. And, and you know, John Carlson, first of all, I, I always think back of the time that he actually briefly hit free agency after they won the Cup. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, it was it was a bit fake because <laughs> the Caps were pretty far down the, the extension talks with his agent, Rick Curran, but technically did not sign until after the market opened, if you remember or very close. Um, yeah, I do. But but uh, he may have signed just before the... I can't remember now. No, you know what it was? Other teams were allowed to talk to him during the UFA speaking period. But he did sign before July 1st. That's right. Because it was an eight times eight. But what I remember is A, how close that got. And B, what a good deal it already looks like. Or, you know, we'll see at the end of it, I guess, with eight-year deals. But eight million a year for a guy putting up his production at that position... Or, you know, like he took a giant step after signing it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's, a, it's also a deal that's been brought up in a lot of conversations. I mean, I think the Blues pointed that deal early in their talks with Alex Petrangelo and obviously ended up getting more down the road in Vegas. But here's the thing about John Carlson, and it's very nice of him to join you on our, on our podcast. Sorry, I wasn't around yesterday when you taped that. Um, I don't know if he's going to win an Norris Trophy. Like I feel like last season was his best shot. Yeah, and and I say that, and it's not not a criticism at all of his play, but I just think that at some point, if Seth Jones continues to arc the way he is, he's going to get one. Miro Hiskinen, like oh my goodness, yeah. is he going to win multiple? <laughs> Kale McCarr, yep. Quinn Hughes, and is Victor Hedman done winning them? Victor Hedman was the you know best player in the playoffs, so. I don't know how John Carlson gets back. When you consider those factors, how does he get back in that mix? Do you think? Yeah, it's you know it's a great question, and it's I mean so interesting. You know the Caps. You know Brian McClellan's been. You know he's not the GM in Washington, of course. You know has not been afraid to. You know I mean they won a cup in eighteen. People you know had sort of not written them off, right? But they weren't a cup. They weren't at your top of the list. And they win the Cup in 18, first ever for the franchise. And well, we were just worried that they'd be drunk all year. <laughs> well, and then, you know, but they, you know, they, you know, Barry Trotz goes to the New York Islanders two years in a row with Todd Reardon. You know, they lose in double overtime mm-hmm. in game seven against the Canes in 19. And then, man, they that was a that was not a really pretty performance by the Caps. Uh, against the Islanders in, in in bubble playoff, but once they got through the round robin, they would they just were not they were that was a that was not a good performance for them. And so, I think Peter Laviolette, his arrival in Washington comes at such a critical time for this team. And it's interesting because you wrote about <clears throat> the crop of free agents um, potentially uh, hitting the mm-hmm. market in the off season of twenty one, and one of them is of course the the captain of the Caps, Alex Ovechkin, and continues to negotiate his own deal i see he was talking to at training camp not not too stressed about it the caps have this weird thing going on right like, you know nick backstrom does his own deal with the uh, prime right. well and Novi's going to do the same thing but the, there is 
it is a bit of a trite thing because we always say it, but but I think the, like the window is you have to ask yourself what is the window for that Caps team to win mm-hmm. again. I think it's it's just fair to ask, and and John Carlson is such a huge part of that, and I think Sedano Chara is going to be a really important piece to that, and, and John alluded to that. I think he's yeah. going to be really important there. Do you do you think so? Well, or not? just tremendous, and I, you know I had a brief chat with Caps GM Brian McCollum because I you know talked about Ovechkin in that piece that yeah. I wrote. And uh, listen, I think it's a no-brainer that Ovechkin is going to sign. But before they and, and talks are slated to resume here, once you know, I think sooner rather than later. So I, I think I'll get that done at some point. But before they, but but certainly, I think there were a couple of things that probably you know all McClellan would say to me is that they had some interesting conversations last year, and, and I I take that to mean two things, Scotty. One is that I think Alex Ovechkin had to figure out. Because we always wondered, would he go back and play in the KHL before his career was over? Which, by the way, he he may still, even if he signs an extension with the Caps, right? Sure. But I think they had to know where his heart was and where his mind was in terms of his NHL career. And I think it's it seems clear that Ovechkin has let them know he wants to continue playing in the NHL. With him. So that was an important conversation to have. But probably the second part of that conversation, if I had to read through the lines after talking to, to Brian, is that, what does Alex think of where the Caps are headed to your point, Scotty? Yeah. You know, are they still going to be, you know, banging at the door? And so I think that was part of the conversations as well. Um, but but it is interesting, like, you know, Nick Baxter, who did his own deal, uh, I guess was on a Zoom call with local media this week and joked that he he offered to Ovechkin to help negotiate his <laughs> yeah, deal, but for a cut. <laughs> All kidding aside, and I'm not trying to create controversy here, but it's interesting. I mean, Backstrom signed for... Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think nine point two million a year is extension, which is, kicks in now. I'm going to look the nine t- two, yeah, nine two. Okay, yeah, and that was a pre-COVID extension. I mean, he signed that extension last year in the new year at some point, and uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin, the face of the franchise, the greatest goal scorer of the NHL modern era, is is going to have to sign a a post-COVID extension and i'm not suggesting for a second he's going to take less than backstrom i don't think he will but those are different market circumstances aren't they that 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 the center and the winger end up representing themselves in 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 conversations so that's kind of interesting to me well and i'm just looking it up here because i want to have the right number i mean the one thing that you know cannot be ignored is that um Alex Ovechkin turned 35 in September. So Hmm. at the start of his next, uh, you know, whatever deal it is, he's going to be, he's going to be 36 years old. Yeah. So term will be huge too, obviously. Yeah, yeah. for sure. But but, but let's just be clear. Alex Ovechkin isn't hitting NHL for Asians. I don't think, (laughs) I think it's pretty clear that to me, it was always a question of the caps or the KHL, not, other NHL team, you know what I mean? To yeah, me, that was my always my read on it. Well, and I always, you know, just to, you know, having spent a fair amount of time around that team over the years and spent some time with um, Alex Ovechkin. In fact, you know, because most of my stories are about me, of course. One of my favorite nights uh, was <laughs> a night I, I went bowling with Ovi and the Russians and uh, this family that had had bought a night, you know, at a charity auction event, and I went bowling with. Uh, with Ovi and, and the guys in Washington one night. And it was, it was outstanding. He's just, you know, he's, he, I mean, we talk about the face of the franchise, but it was just, it was outstanding. I, I sort of always imagined that 
at some point, Ovechkin's going to get to that Nick Lidstrom status, right, or or position where you're right. He's not going to play anywhere else. Maybe he just signs one-year deal after one-year deal. They pick a number. Mm -hmm. And when he gets, you know, whenever it happens, like when he catches Gretzky, if that's still on the table, if he, if the Caps, if the Caps become a team that, you know, fall, but, you know, they, they go the way of the LA Kings or Detroit Red Wings Mm -hmm. or, you know, any of the dynastic teams we've seen, Chicago Blackhawks, um, then maybe he moves on. But I, I, I'm with you. It's hard to imagine him playing in another jersey. But having said that, it's hard to imagine Henrik Lundqvist pulling on a Caps jersey. It's going or, to look... Or, or Zidane Ojera. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I don't think it happens with Ovechkin. Um, but it's too bad. I mean, obviously, our our, our best wishes to Henrik, best yeah, wishes to Henrik Lundqvist. Which I mean, just uh, so sad the way that that's worked out. Because I, I got to tell you, the, the Caps were so excited about his fit and what he would have brought um, to the Caps. And, and and so that's a certainly a lingering question is how do they, how does the goaltending hold up? Does Samsonov take this over and doesn't look back or does he have hiccups? I mean, that's not exactly, that's an issue. <laughs> this isn't a transition year for the Washington Capitals. This is, we're trying to kick the window still open, right? So so that's that's really the big storyline for Washington this year. I should mention, I, you mentioned Pierre Laviolette. We, we need to put a final point on this. We talked about it back in the spring when it happened, but or whenever it happened. September, I guess? August? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think he's I think he's a, he's the tonic that they need. I, I think he's, he's going to bring, you know, there's going to be, uh, you know, you're going to have to answer to Pierre Laviolette. And I think it's what Brian McClellan wanted for that team. To wake up and turn the page in 2018 and, and put their work boots back on. I will tell you that as time has gone on, I've, I've had a few snippets sort of thrown at me. And, you know, Brian McClellan did meet, I mean, we reported at the time that he interviewed Mike Babcock. I think he went and met with Mike Babcock. And I just got to tell you how fascinating that would have been. <laughs> <laughs> To have brought him in, and I think also would have been a pretty good tonic. And uh, and I know that there are still people uneasy with, with how it ended in Toronto and the Mitch Marner story. And I get that. And at some point in time, you know, we'll have to talk to Mike about that. But I got to tell you, he's still a great coach. And that would have been, I mean, it fascinates me that Brian McClellan went down that road. And, uh, and I think gave it some pretty serious thought, quite frankly. Yeah, well, and I think that speaks to the, what you just pointed out with with Peter being there is that you know the 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 need to, to change. I don't want to say culture; that's an overused word, but to, to have a different kind of voice. And you know, Peter Laviolette has, you know, he's a Stanley. He's a winner, a Stanley Cup winner, Stanley Cup finalists in multiple cities. He's uh, he he's, has done it right. So uh, I I am and I you know. Coaches are hired to get fired. I, this is not a this isn't a ten year project for Peter Lavin. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and this was why. What I love about what Brian McClellan did here, he didn't he didn't dwell on what was obviously a mistake. Didn't work with Todd Reardon. Worth a shot. And by the way, Todd Reardon one day may come back and learn sure. from this and be a pretty good head coach. Right. Agreed. I agree. But but I love a GM that's able to say, you know what, didn't work. That's on me. Let's 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 you know. I'm I'm not taking any chances. So he interviewed Laviolette, he interviewed Gerald Gallant, who would have been terrific as well. Uh, and he interviewed Mike Babcock. What does that tell you about his three interviews? Yeah. 
right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, he wasn't messing around this time. So I and we're going to take a break here in just a second. But I, I want to I, I can't wait. I can't wait for all of this. Right. The, the the new divisions. I love the Canadian division. And but so you've got Zidane Char is going to play eight times against his former pals in Boston. And you've got Todd Reardon, now an assistant coach back in Pittsburgh, where he cut his teeth. He won a Stanley Cup. Um, before joining Barry Trotz's staff and winning another Stanley Cup in Washington. Now he's back in that Mike Sullivan staff as the Penguins try and sort of pick up the mm-hmm. pieces after a couple of uh, awful springs. You've still got Barry Trotz with the Islanders. I, I, like, they're, the drama, yeah, I don't care. They, I, I like the idea. You're playing eight times. Uh, I want to see games six, seven, and eight between Boston and Washington. Um <laughs> And given the, comp, uh, the competitive nature, uh, I mean, there, there are two or three really good teams with legitimate cup aspirations in that division that will not make the playoffs. And it's it's going to be a ton of fun. So, I have agree. Uh, all right. So uh, uh, you should know, we we talk about this. Uh, you know, it's two-man advantage podcast. So why else would you be listening to it? Um, and we are making it, we're, we're transitioning, 21. It, it's all about change, my friend. And so we're still going to have the two man advantage podcast um, at the athletic and on Apple, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcast. But starting next week, two man advantage will continue. And you have to access it via the new the athletic hockey show feed. So you make sure that you subscribe. You can still find it. It's going to be easy. But one of the great things is that uh, our pal Ian Mendez is going to do a lot of podcast work. Uh, under the umbrella of the athletic, yeah, great to show. have Ian on board at the athletic. Yes. What a hire! I know he's That's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, all right, what, what else you got on your mind? I, I, I got to tell you, I still, I'm still trying to get my head around 
Pierre-Luc Dubois signing his uh, two-year mm. deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I was a bit busy with that story. Oh, no, no. Well, that's part of the reason that I ended up chatting with John Carlson on my own. But you were there, and, and there are yeah, there's and you wrote about this, and I just think it's so fascinating because you know we have two, um, and you tied it together nicely. I thought, but this whole issue of okay, well, what what is the future of Patrick Line with the Winnipeg Jets? I, I, and I loved his commentary, right? You can you just feel him squirming when he's answering the questions in one of his first media Zoom calls with the with reporters at the Jets camp, and basically, mm-hmm. I, I'm here, <laughs> and and we'll see what happens after this season. And of course, uh, Dubois, um, what a talent! I just thought he was. I, I was. I couldn't. I couldn't get enough of the Blue Jackets in the playoffs. That series against Toronto was compelling. And even though it was only five games, that series against Tampa and the first real round, uh, outstanding. And I thought Dubois really emerged as he's a beast. And, and I just think the sky's the limit for him. But is the sky going to be the limit for him in Columbus? And, and Yarmo Kekalainen has got a couple of years to figure things out. But it's interesting. And I wonder if you, you know, just sort of adds a little spice on in both those markets as we head into this 56-game mm. 21 season. Yeah, one of the biggest stories of the year was to see how those two situations play out. And and there seemed to be some confusion among some. And I guess that's why I felt the need to write that piece, that because Liney wasn't traded in the offseason after, you know, his, his agents, Andy Scott and Michael Youth, put out that statement to me, as you remember, Scotty, in yep. October, of maybe, you know, that might be mutually beneficial to part ways. There seemed to be this... I don't know, some people thinking, well, it didn't happen, so I guess he's staying. Well, (laughs) nothing's changed. I mean, that's still how his camp feels and obviously how Liney feels Um, and maybe how the Jets feel, by the way. Uh, So, you know, let's see where this goes. But, but you know, I I, I credit Liney and Dubois in back-to-back days for in their media availabilities not, not trying to, I mean, you know, not denying anything. Now, they didn't come out and say, I want to be traded, but they did not try to distance themselves from what is their potential exit, right? I mean, that, that was, I thought both guys stick handled it pretty well in their media availabilities. In other words, yeah, you know, it's all true. <laughs> so, and, and so where do you go from here? And that's why I wrote about a Monday because it's, it's, I mean, every front office person I talk to around the NHL, they want to talk about Dubois and Liney, especially Dubois because that's the more recent story. Yeah. Um, you know, t- uh, 23 year old top centers, two way physical monsters like Pierre Dubois don't grow on trees. So the demand for him will be through the roof. And I think what, what I think is happening is there are teams that don't want to call Yarmo Kekel in right away because they know he's probably seething right now. So they want that to die down. And, but I mean, he's going to get a million offers. I, I think that Columbus will get more offers. Than the Jets will for Liney, and that's not a slight to Liney. I mean, Liney could score the most goals in the NHL over the next ten years, but I think it's the whole center versus winger thing, and for sure. And and the fact that if you're trading for Dubois now, at least is, there's there's this year, next year on his bridge deal, Liney needs a new deal right after this year. So I know that some of the teams that have looked at Liney, and as I've reported, you know, teams like Columbus, ironically, Philadelphia. Carolina are among the teams that had reached out to Winnipeg in the fall just to gauge that situation. But any team trading for Lining, they got to know what it costs to keep him around, right? And so that's a big part of all this. And 
I don't know that either trade, if they do get, you know, if both players, you know, get their wish, I don't know that it necessarily has to happen this season, right? I mean, it, you, you know, depending on when each GM, Carmel Kekalainen and Columbus, Kevin Chevalayoff in Winnipeg, feels that he's got his best deal on the table, it could really wait till the summer at the draft, yeah. when often the best trades are made. So, you know, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, uh, you know, if one of those two teams falls out of it, um, does the April 12th trade deadline come into focus? Uh, so really interesting. Uh, you just don't see these types of young studs available often, and there happen to be two of them uh, that could be dealt. Yeah. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. A, obviously with Columbus, Yarmo Kekalainen has a lot more runway than Kevin Dayoff does in, in Winnipeg, right? It's just, you know, given the contractual mm-hmm. status. And, and I think you're right. Like, to me, I look at Columbus, they're they're a team that's going to be in that, you know, two, three, four, five hole in that new central division. Um, you know, like I think they're a playoff team. I, I think the changes they've made there, I think Max Domi is going to thrive there. Their goaltending is terrific. You mentioned Seth Jones. He's my preseason pick to win the Norris. Um, Winnipeg's a little bit different though, right? And And a lot of people like them maybe almost by default to be sixth in that north or the Canadian division and but I talked to a I talked to an NHL executive this week and he's like wait a minute you know like let's not let's not just cast the Winnipeg Jets right. into that position given they have the defending Vezina trophy winner and Connor Hellebuck they have as deep and and dynamic a forward group as as most teams up front yes the defenses you know, had to be retooled over the last year, year and a half. But that's still a team that I think is very much going to be in the playoff hunt. And and to your point on the trade deadline, if you're Kevin Cheveldayoff, I don't know. You're right. You make the deal the the time that it needs to be made. But but if you can make if you if you're in the hunt for one of those four playoff spots, man, I you know to me that then like you say, you just you roll the dice and see what happens at the draft. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, well, the, the only the only thing I guess that you have to, you, you know, the only thing I guess that you have to to monitor is is what is it doing? In, you know, and Columbus has some experience in this, unfortunately. But what is it doing inside your room to have someone you know yeah. who wants out? Right? I mean, that's yeah, that's an intangible sure. that you can't ignore. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, it's, it's a tough position to be in for for the Jackets, but. Uh, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything else? I'll like, uh, you know, New Year. I'll turn over a uh, new leaf. I'll give you the, you, you got a last final thought. You it, A week from, you know, we, we're taping this on a Wednesday morning. A week from today, I think there are five games to kick things off. Got a triple header here in the U.S. on uh, uh, on television. We've already... You know, we've already got the, you know, scoped out the games. Uh, we got the Philly, Pittsburgh, and Tampa, Chicago. Oh, it's going to be great. So final thought with a week from today, the the start of the season. Yeah, I, I think that to your point about Winnipeg and the Canadian division, and I, by the way, I'm not going to name the corporate names for the divisions. <laughs> I just want to warn you ahead of time. <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> but the all-Canadian division you know, I agree. Like I did a poll, uh, it seems like a month ago, but I don't know when I did it, of, of executives around the league about the Canadian division. And and the Leafs certainly won out, which 
I agree with. I, I think this, you know, they, they've got everything going right now. But after that, and I think it was Montreal 2 and Calgary 3, if you aggregated the 15 responses I got. But to be honest with me, and the Habs are, are very, very much improved, but I think from, I, I mean, I honestly think outside of Ottawa, would any combination of the standing shock you with the six other Canadian teams? I mean, if you think about injuries and different things, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I just think it's that close. And I think that's going to be absolutely fascinating. I mean, it'll be telling from some of the Canadian media narrative. And I'm part of that, even though we cover the whole league as national writers, I think the all Canadian division will take up a lot of oxygen this season. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's just going to be, it's just, I think going to overshadow a lot of what's going on around the league, uh, unfortunately, but, but I think it's inescapable. I mean, it's such a unique once in a lifetime opportunity. There's no way, like it, to me, it makes no sense. Uh, cost-wise and logistically, and certainly with Seattle coming in to, to bring the league to 32 teams next fall, all things being equal. I mean, there's no way to keep a Canadian division, right? It just doesn't work. Or do you think at the end of this, there's like, oh my gosh, this was so much fun, so much interest, the ratings were through the roof or whatever it is, that somehow, you know, that that, that people sort of take another look at, could, could you do this? And you'd have to throw in one American team somewhere along the line, but do you think this starts something that we may not have been able to foresee um, were it not for, you know, what we've, the leagues had to contend with, with COVID-19 and and redoing the divisions? Yeah. You know, the thing that I think will be interesting to monitor is whether people enjoy the baseball type schedule. You know, and this is something Jonathan Taze has talked about in the past. Remember? Yeah, talked about our boys. Lazarus uh, wrote about it. Yeah, yep. And and whether uh, you know the idea of cutting down on travel and and and, 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 you know and so on, you know, could the baseball type scheduling have some kind of of impact past this season? That that would be the thing I would wonder about. I know that in general, TV networks don't like it. Marketing people don't love it. They like to keep spicing it up, but. But that would be from a logistical, financial, and practical point of view. That might be something that even maybe the PA, on behalf of the players, push for past this year if they like it. I mean, you don't know yet. Let, let's have the season first, right? Um, as far as the divisions, I, I don't see the practicality of keeping the Canadian teams together. Uh, you know, that travel-wise alone, I think that. You know, I, I think that it's not very practical, but we'll see. I mean, it may yeah. generate the kind of interest that the NHL has to look back and say, oh, boy, that was, you know, maybe we need to look at this. Um, you know, and it would guarantee, a, obviously, a Canadian team in the Final Four every year. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think that going back to natural divisions that are more geographically based, I think, makes more sense to me. Yeah. Well, a lot of, lot of road to travel before we get to that point here. Here is to a safe and seamless road. Um, I don't know how it's going to unfold, but we're going to start to find out next week. And as, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, um, things are going to change for the Athletics Podcast Network and specifically the hockey group. And beginning on January 11th, the Athletic debuts the new The Athletic Hockey Show podcast. Ian Mendez is going to lead that. He's going to be joined by Haley Sullivan. 
Um, and you know, Haley's gone, you know, she covered the Sens so beautifully for us. And now she's out in Calgary. Ian slid into coverage of the senators at plus his podcast duties. Sean McIndoe down goes Brown is going to be part of the podcast, uh, crew on Thursdays. Um, funny man, maybe you and funny man. Yes, Remember that steak is. dinner yeah. we had with him uh, in New York. Yes, I do. Yeah. I, 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 I'm now I'm trying to think whether are you are you trying to trick me? Yeah, I guess we did. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, uh, that was back in our ESPN days. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I do sort of remember that. Anyway, um, uh, and of course, as we mentioned, the two man advantage still coming to you on Wednesdays. Um, what else we got on the docket here as we get ready for the start of the season? Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno and his wife Janelle are Craig Custance's guests this week on the full 60 at the Athletic. Remember, we had Nick on just before return to play. It's just... Yeah, he was great. He's unbelievable. He's, he's unbelievable. And Tyler Spurgeon, the brother of Minnesota Wild Captain Jared Spurgeon, the new Minnesota Wild Captain, by the way, joins Mike Russo this week on Straight from the Source at the Athletic. You should check out our comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic app and rate and subscribe to Two Man Advantage on Apple. And if you aren't already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash two man advantage and receive a subscription for just $3.99 per month. That's like, how much does a Tim's cost now? If you get a big Tim's, if you bought, if you bought me a Tim's, could you do two of them for three ninety nine? I bet you could. I don't know. I, numbers are not you're my not, friend. <laughs> you're not a Tim's guy anyway. I should have said it's Starbucks or whatever. All right. Muskoka All right, coffee, my friend. man. So, I'm a Muskoka oh, coffee guy. You know yeah. what? I, I remember. I like that Muskoka coffee. You have it up uh, up at your cottage. I've made myself a cup or two. All right. Anyway, good, good work, my friend. Next week, we will be hours away from the start of a new season with a new format for the uh, hockey podcast group at The Athletic. It's uh, it's going to be a good time, so good work by you today. Right on, right on.